let's break it down. It's Lemmings. It's J. Will. Not Brian. Dropped it anyways. <laughs> Found a way to do it the right way. You still suck. <laughs> All right. We just closed out week number four. It is March 11th, 2019. It was a crazy week. I had a lot of fun. A lot of really good, really fun matches. And J. Will, we got to experience some dive some dps it was awesome man how how'd you feel about week four week four was very exciting a lot more entertaining personally at least for the ones that i got to watch than the prior weeks and the closer was by far the best matchup just to watch from a fan perspective between vancouver and chengdu i loved watching every bit of that it showed some potential for both teams outside of 3-3 but more importantly it showed that dps heroes are still around and can be functional Widowmaker still exists on the hero screen. So if you were stressing that, have no fear. She's still there. <laughs> she was still not there. replaced by Hero 30. Was not replaced. And there's some people that I cannot wait to watch play her more regularly. Yeah, some sick clip released today on the Houston Twitter. Links are going ham- going crazy on some Widowmaker. Felt good. I know you tried to say hamster, by the way. Such a I habit for thought- you. I thought about it, but then there's a hamster in the game, and I don't want to confuse anybody. Very true. That would be confusing. All right, everybody. We'd love you guys to hit us with a follow on Twitter and Instagram at BreakItDownOWL. You should definitely subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Give us a search. It's Let's Break It Down. You can also connect with Brian individually at JWill2287 on Twitter. And if you have any questions, any feedback you'd like to send our way, our email is breakitdownowl at gmail.com. And with that, I believe Farah has some things on her radar. I've got you on my radar. Only a few things this week, but a pretty big one in my opinion. The Los Angeles Valiant, they say they've parted ways with Coach Moon, but uh, I, I think I think we know fired when we see it. Yeah, we all know what that means when you use the word parted ways or relieved. We all understand that that you were fired. He, they're just trying to be polite. He had a really good year last year with the team, so there's no reason to just kick him to the curb. But unfortunately, somebody's got to pay for an 0-7 stage at this point when you go from being a top team in the league to not being able to win a match. That's a problem. Brings a new meaning to the, the we are seven hashtag for them, right? Oh, man. I, I think I tweeted it out, and I put like a question mark, and I went, we are 0-7? Uh, yep. (laughs) All right, so assistant coach Mike Packington, and I'm going to mess this up, but we'll go for it. Shklani is going to be stepping up in an interim interim role. He's not the official new head coach or anything. It looks like they're going to go out, and I'm sure the assistant coaches will have a shot, but they're going to be looking for a new head coach. Not necessarily a move I like. I understand that something had to happen 0 and 7 you got to make a move you've got to show fans and the team that you're you're not going to let that stand I agree with you though I I don't think the Valiant made enough moves in the offseason to fill backfill their roster from the loss of uh was it like Shadowburn no soon it was uh soon and Finzi yep you know recognizing that the 3-3 was coming backfilling your roster with maybe some more off tanks uh, flex supports those types so 
from my perspective, Moon did a lot with a roster that wasn't built to be successful in this current meta. But again, I, I understand you, know, you have to show a willingness to make moves and, and try and get a new direction for the team. I don't think that the issue necessarily was that they didn't win. I think it's that they never really showed any improvement beyond being competitive. Yes, they were competitive, and we all saw that. They had some really close losses. They were able to tie a map here and there. They took some people to five map, five maps. It, it just was that it was the same thing. Like We never got any better. Even though we were competitive, we never – forget the win. We just never looked better. We just looked the same. So I think that was the bigger issue. But he wasn't necessarily set up for success, like you said. They didn't make any moves in the offseason to better suit themselves for a 3-3 meta, which it's too late now to do that because you know the meta is going to change. So why would you necessarily cut or make a move to try to fit into a meta that's going away? They needed to make a move in the offseason to prepare for, for the 3-3, and they didn't. So this is just the end result of that, unfortunately, for him. I'm sure he'll land on his feet, though. I'm not worried. I did want to go back and cover something. In the last episode, we covered a huge chunk of changes that are coming to a lot of players to try and start offsetting the 3-3 meta a little bit. One thing I didn't cover in that episode is that they are also changing the manner in which HP is taken from a character as they receive damage. Previously, it used it, the order was non-recoverable shields, recoverable shields, non-recoverable armor, recoverable armor, non-recoverable health, recoverable health. So previously, it burned through all shields, then all armor, then all health. The new order that it's going to be going through is everything that's non-recoverable gets burned first. So non-recoverable shields, then armor, then health. Then recoverable shields, recoverable armor, and recoverable health. So... I think this is another change to try and start shredding some of that armor off of characters first rather than it being a lot of shields first, then you get into the armor, then you get into the health. This will be interesting to see also what impacts this has on the 3-3 meta as well. I think it's a good change. I think it was the right change. When you just look at it from a logistics standpoint, why would you go for anything recoverable before going for non-recoverable? Because they can just keep recovering it and you never get to the non-recoverable stuff that's later in that chain. So I think this is the right move. You know, let's make sure this stuff is non-recoverable. Just, just get it out of the way. And then they can keep recovering their health, shields, armor when they actually get to it. That should be the last thing that's taken is anything that can be recovered. So I have no problem with it. It will be interesting to see how it affects everything. I don't think it's going to matter but so much. But it will have some effect. To, to It just it will. That's just the nature of the game. This combined with a lot of the other changes are going to have a big impact, I believe. And we'll just have to see how that translates into the Overwatch League and what teams do. And actually how much of this patching goes through for Stage 2. So they only have, what, two weeks, I believe, in between stages? Well, between now and the end of and the start of Stage 2, you're going to have, what, close to a month? So yeah. they've got time to get this all organized before Stage 2 starts. They'll, sure. If I'm taking a guess, they'll take the next two weeks to get it in. So hopefully it would be live for the public, like right at the end of the playoffs on March 17th. Or, no, excuse me, the week after. And then they'd have it to where, you know, the teams are scrimming outside of the PTR and are ready to go for Stage 2 on that patch. The last piece of news that we're tracking on is a developer, a developer, (laughs) (laughs) has, well, not confirmed, but heavily hinted that Echo is not going to be Hero 31. Echo is a healer that was hinted at heavily in the McCree, well, actually in the Ash reveal, but right at the end, she's talking to McCree. She's white, she's floaty. Mm-hmm. So we have another floaty hero, who I also think 
combined with Zenyatta should be immune to Earth Shatter, but that might be a little <laughs> over overpowered. <laughs> a paraphrase of the quote, I don't think she's gonna she's the next hero, if that tells you anything. So not confirmed, but heavily hinted. Definitely seemed like he was adamant that she's not going to be the next one because later on in that article he does say, you know, we do have plans to release her as a hero, just not now. So I'd assume Hero 31 would not be her, maybe 32. I don't think we'll have to wait too long for her at this rate. That wraps up the news, which means we need to start talking about week four. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to kick it off by going overboard. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's critical hits. We're going to take a moment or two to just say something a little crazy and see if it pans out. We've had a couple pan out, I think. We've had, some, we've had a couple bomb, too. <laughs> yeah. Wings in felt good. Shields down technically worked. They're out, but... I was 50-50 uh, on that. I'll yeah, give them credit. yeah, we'll take that 50-50. <laughs> we've had a couple good hits. Uh, I'm still looking good on my Vancouver into the playoffs prediction. So, or in, what did I say, winning? I think you said basically getting to the finals. I, okay. I mean, it was, they. hey, they're going to be really good and they're going to... Well, either <laughs> way, they still have a chance to, to make that one come true. So Yes, they certainly do. So we'll see what happens with that. These have been fun, though. I've enjoyed overreacting and been able to say some of the things that you do think, even though they're initial split-second reactions while you're watching certain things or at the end of the week before you really sit down and evaluate anything. My, my big critical hit for this week is the Shanghai Dragons. I'm calling them now going into the Stage 2 playoffs. I loved what I saw from them. They, they jumped off of the 3-3, and we got to see DM do some Widowmaker, and I am all on board about that. He looked that was phenomenal fun. on that hero. The Dragons looked so much cleaner as a team throughout that entire match with London. I am ready for this meta to be over to see players like that do what they do best and exceed and create those exciting plays that we've been missing for the last four weeks now. Not that the play hasn't been exciting, but that individual skill has not been able to shine through just quite as much because of the team play meta that, that's currently going on. And not just, I, I believe that Shanghai has actually taken a genuine step up. I mean, they were still taking it to London, even in 3-3 maps or when they were being asked to play or forced to play 3-3. So they they've taken a step up certainly, and then and then yeah, I mean if we can get out of this three three, I mean DM was looking sick. They were having fun on well was was the one well, where was, I was kind of on the edge yes. of my seat like what's going on right now. That game was pure chaos, and it was lovely yeah. from every perspective. We got to watch, see Profit on Hanzo for a little bit, right. nail Hanzo. some sick arrows. I was like, uh, what? Just nasty oh, shots. Yes, those are the plays we've been missing though. Things like that where you're like, how did he even land that shot? Certainly, certainly a breath of fresh air in the middle of in the middle of all this goat stink. Yes. Okay, my critical hit is stop playing three three against Vancouver. Just stop. <laughs> okay, take a moment right now. Look at your coach, and say we got to find something else. <laughs> I mean, you've at least got to make them uncomfortable, like Chengdu did, because yeah. then they went back to that three three, and they were outplaying Vancouver for much of that that match in the three three. It took basically getting to that solid map five like hey we've regained our footing this is what they're going to come out in let's just get back to what we do best but they looked they looked off center they looked off balance Chengdu did a, a phenomenal job of making that chaotic at first and then coming back to the three three that we hadn't seen them play and nobody knew what to expect from the minute and then they took it straight to vancouver but uh new york's on the horizon buddy i'm just gonna throw it out there <laughs> vancouver just did not make the swaps they needed uh they kept asking bumper to try and go up and solo double sniper and Chengdu was doing a great job of peeling for their for their Hanzo and their Widowmaker 
So they just weren't making the swaps necessary to actually challenge to either either challenge the double snipers that Chengdu was running on that particular map in certainly other compositions or or go into a Reinhardt 3-3 and actually just push through um, because snipers aren't going to have the shield break to actually get through a 3-3 Reinhardt. So it was interesting, but um, it was probably the, it was certainly the most uncomfortable I have seen Vancouver look in and in you know you can see it even in their faces when they switch to face cams and stuff like that and typically they're kind of having fun uh huh this is this is great three three we're stomping uh, but even you can see there they were they were confused and and asking each other how to how to challenge that you could tell that at the end when they actually won how concerned they were because they actually were really excited to win you could tell that they thought they might have have lost that match because they couldn't quite figure out Chengdu. <laughs> And that takes us into the surprise of the week. We're still searching for a cool title for it, so hit us up there on Twitter. If <laughs> Give us an idea. idea. <laughs> hit us up on Twitter if you got a great name for our surprise of the week. Here we get to talk about the Los Angeles Gladiators leveling up, taking that next step. And we talked a little bit about it last week. We said, hey, Decay came in on his fresh off the bench from his uh, he had to turn 18 before he could play was eligible to play and came in it was looking good we said hey another week under this system another week with the team scrimming everything like that he could be really strong he came out swinging yeah yeah absolutely swinging dude's top four in damage for 10 minutes right now after what two weeks of play for him is that what i mean i mean he's only got roughly four hours of total play time so that should be two weeks if i remember correctly yeah uh he looks great. The team corrected a lot of its issues, though. The communication errors are not there. They're they're connected. They're coordinated. I mean, they took it to Paris. Um, who else did they beat this past week? Or did they only have one? I can't remember off the top of my head. No, it was two. It, it was um, Atlanta. 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 Yeah, they they took it to Atlanta to the point where Atlanta, you could tell, was mentally broken. They kind of just gave up. And then <laughs> yeah. they they took it to Guangzhou. That was the other team. Excuse me. They were in charge of that that matchup from start to finish they dropped i think the last map but they jumped out 3-0 so they looked phenomenal though they looked completely different than they did last week and weeks leading into that you could tell that they were they've been working they've been putting it in time and it's starting to pay off in matches now finally yeah according to winston's lab decay is actually the second highest rated player so they have a they have a system where they combine all these different metrics and then they kind of offset it by your, their strength of schedule measurements and a couple other things. And uh, Shu is actually number one as a support for the Guangzhou Charge, but Decay on two weeks of play is, is the number two ranked player in, in Overwatch League right now. That's not surprising. With for what, what it's worth. Done. Yeah, no, it's worth a lot, honestly. Um, and just to correct myself, they actually re- reeled off three straight to finish that match. They They lost the first map. To, to Guangzhou and then just took control of it from there, which was fun to see. Uh, but yes, Decay, oh, my goodness, it, those stats mean something, especially when you just turned 18, you just jumped onto the stage, you're out here competing against the best, and you're up there with names like Sinatra, Nene, guys like that. No, dude, you, you've, earned your, you've earned your keep very quickly. A couple of things lead me to question if this was maybe a, a situation similar to Fusions when he wasn't able to play for Boston. So Rockus on Twitter, he he's a Houston support, but he said, in, in reference to the Gladiators, they are one of the strongest scrim teams. Just hadn't translated it onto stage. He was responding to one of the uh, one of the casters. Additionally, I mean, you wonder how much they were practicing with Decay in the lineup off 
you know, before leading up to the to the season, knowing that he wouldn't be there for a couple of weeks, just had to have an off tank fill. Coupled with the loss of Fisher to Seoul, I wonder if we can, you know, weather the storm until we can get Decay in there. And so we're going to practice with him. We're going to run all of our scrims with him and get him as, as prepared and ready to go as possible and see if we can't squeak out a couple of wins. It didn't work out for him in the end, but they certainly look like a completely different team with him in the lineup. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have access really to those scrims, which is sad. I'd love to see some of those to see what people are actually doing and actually practicing. But it makes you, it does make you wonder with without him being able to play what they were doing scrimming wise. Were they just preparing for his arrival? Were they hoping to weather the storm, like you said, until he arrived? Or if they were actually practicing with their other DPS players, hydration uh, and sure for, and then they got to a point where they said, okay, this isn't working. As soon as he gets here, we're going to have to just give it a try and see what happens. So my guess is obviously they practiced him a little bit and said, hey, this is clearly better than what we're putting out there right now. Let's go with it. Moving on, we've got a couple of questions. Our first one is going to be, do we think that the Toronto Defiant are a real contender? I'm I'm back and forth because there are days where I look at them and they're playing really well and they're playing together as a six-man group. They're, the sum is greater than the whole of their parts. In all honesty, I don't think they have one person who can, can carry them, but when they're all playing well together, they look really, really good. And the other part of me says, but when they meet top competition, it's it's a steamroll. They just don't look good at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're two losses. I mean, they're five and two, so they've handled their business. They're clinched. They're in the playoffs. You got to give them credit for that. But their two losses are a 4-0 to NYXL and I believe a 3-1 to Atlanta. And both of them were pretty convincing. Both of those losses were pretty much, yeah, they're they're the lesser team here. Yeah, in watching their matches this past week, it looked like the core of that roster, Envy, Ivy, and Neko, kind of worked something out. And they were much more synergistic with each other. Communication was a lot better. It looked like maybe they were just having fun and, and playing well together. But those three guys looked completely different than some of their other matches that I've seen. So I'm with you. I kind of go back and forth. Is this a genuine level up in their play? Have they have they found an ability to be consistent at this level? Or is it just this is their week? They came in feeling hot, well-prepared, and managed to do this. Uh, you know, going up against in the playoffs, in a, are they a real contender? I don't think so in this stage. I think, you know, they might be one of those first teams out. They're definitely going to have to try to avoid San Francisco. I don't think any one of those top three seeds wants to see San Francisco as their opening matchup because that is not a cakewalk by any means. And San Francisco, depending on who they're matched up against, may be favored. How much fun is it to watch a Chengdu Hunters match or Chengdu Hunters as I'm trying to (laughs) perfect that a little bit? (laughs) Yeah, we're trying to get better. Oh, dude, it's a blast. Absolute blast. They do things differently than every other team in the league. They come out with quirky compositions. They say, screw the 3-3, we don't care. And then when you've gotten kind of comfortable with them and you said, all right, yeah, we're expecting these quirky lineups. Let's see what they bring out next. Let's see how they compete. Boom, they flip a switch and they go into a 3-3 and they look like they know exactly what they're doing in it. Not, Not only just that, any 3-3, a, right. a wrecking ball 3-3. Yeah, a wrecking ball 3-3. They did play a lot of Reinhardt 3-3 later in that match, but yeah, they came out in a wrecking ball 3-3 as well. And you're just like, what else can this team do? Like, is there anything that they really can't do that we should start expecting? Should we start just like closing our eyes and then opening it when we hear the countdown end so we know what roster's coming? Because you're expecting sometimes teams to switch. You see all these fun lineups, and then you hear the crowd boo when they switch to goats. But then you get Chengdu, and you're like, well, are they going to switch? Are they? 
Are they not <laughs> going to switch? What are they going to do? But more importantly, it's their play. They get out there, they have a plan, and they go out and they try to execute it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But at the end of the day, it's always fun to watch, no matter what. It's always fun to watch. Even when their team fights weren't going that way, you were like, oh my God, Vancouver, this is so cool. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're you know, having to do. It's not just, all right, grab, all right, self-destruct. Oh, hit the trans, please. Hit the trans. Thank you. Thank you. No, it wasn't that. It was, oh my God, I have to hit this trans to keep this person alive. Hey, throw the grab. We have an advantage here. Let's push. Let's push the advantage. And then if they miss one of those, here comes Chengdu right back at you. Oh, now they're going to push their advantage. And they're going to come at you from a quirky angle. It, it was just, it was so much fun to watch. I didn't know what to expect. I, I found myself pulling for them, even though I still thought Vancouver would, in the end, pull the match out, which they did. But you were just like, this team's so much fun to watch. I want them to win. What what piqued my interest is going to be their ability to go into that stage two. They show, they've showed flashes. And I think Wrecking Ball is actually going to be a big part of any non-standard you know standard 3-3 setups. Um, he has a real big place in dive, a really big place in dive, actually. Huge place in dive. At least from what, I mean, because we don't see a whole ton of other people run Wrecking Ball except in, you know, overtime situations. But they have one of the better ones that we've seen, for sure, in Ameng. And that's pretty universal. I've seen other players go, do that guy's like, you know, 9,000 IQ on, on Wrecking Ball. <laughs> so the other thing that, that I just love is there are teams where coaches – and, and staff comes in and says, look, this is my system, and you guys are going to fit into my system, and th- we're going to only run what I say. And then there are coaches who come in and say, well, how do I maximize my players? These are the players that I have, and how do I maximize them? You know, the Patriots way, which is, okay, this is the players that we have. How do we make them the best that they can possibly be, you know, regardless of a system? And then, you know, there are other teams where you can see people come in and they'll just say, you know, look, we're going to run this defense and this offense, and that's that's it. I mean, Chengdu, coaches and staff came in and said, and, and I, they must have been looking at the early scrims and said, look, we're just not going to be that competitive as a 3-3 team, and even though they are. And they, I mean, took it to one of the more powerful 3-3 teams in the league as the Vancouver Titans. But they also said, look, I mean, how do we enable our players to have fun playing this game and at the same time, you know, maximize the usage of their skills? And that's these fun compositions and these quirky, you know, hey, look, if, if Bacon Jack is really good at Widow and Ameng's really good at Wrecking Ball, how do we make a composition around that that actually challenges 3-3? I appreciate their out-of-box thinking. For a, for a team that you and I had very small hopes for coming in to – up until this week, have a chance to make it into the playoffs and be squeaking out wins against teams that you're kind of like, whoa, how did that happen? I, they're fun, and it, it is fun. They're, they're, they're what the league is lacking on a, a larger scale, more teams that are just fun to watch. We love watching certain players, and we love rooting for our own teams. But in terms of, okay, my team's not playing, my favorite player's not playing, whatever, we need more teams that are just entertaining to watch play. And that has kind of been the downside of 3-3. It's taken away some of that entertainment value. At the same rate, we haven't had any team really explore what else could be done other than Chengdu. They have shown the rest of us that, hey, these things can be done. Does that mean we're going to win? No. But we've proven that you can be competitive. And we've proven that you can also entertain and attract more fans that way. So... I would love to see some of these teams that are not necessarily playing very well, or at least not high up in the standings, 
take a few more risks with quirkier lineups and try to throw people off guard going into stage two. Obviously, we're assuming the 3-3 will be gone going into stage two. But at the end of the day, even in any other meta, sometimes you just got to throw a curveball to keep teams on their toes, to throw them off balance, to give yourself a chance. But again, it's the, the same thing we said last week. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Please, please stop doing that. Chengdu doesn't. Other teams have tried and failed. Chengdu says, eh, that's not us. So we're going to go down swinging our way. I appreciate it. I appreciate them taking control of their destiny and doing what they can. Mm-hmm. And that wraps up our week four reactions, which means we want to give you the info on what exactly happened in each of the matches. We're going to recall. Let's try that again. Kicking off the week on day one, we had the Los Angeles Gladiators taking down the Atlanta Reign 4-0. Next up, we had the Philadelphia Fusion taking down the Los Angeles Valiant 3-2. And to end things on day one, we had Toronto Defiant taking down the Chengdu Hunters 3-1. Day two kicked off with Vancouver against Paris. Vancouver, not surprisingly, 4-0 Paris. Paris looks terrible right now. Vancouver clinched their playoff seed, clinched the division this week as well. They're looking like they're gonna cruise into the playoffs, ready to take take on NYXL. NYXL also held their end of the bargain in the second matchup of day two, taking out San Francisco 4-0. That match was not as much of a run over as that score indicates. San Francisco has been very competitive in the two matches uh, that they've struggled in against Vancouver and NYXL, but those two teams clearly are the class of the league right now. And Dallas cleaned up everything from the, the week before, took out Shanghai 4-0 looking stronger as they head into the playoffs. Shanghai, why you do that to me? I told you, man. <laughs> taking us into day three, we had Houston taking on the Valiant. Houston ends up taking the match 2-1. Seoul ends up taking down Washington 3-1. The Los Angeles Gladiators looking like they leveled up, taking down the Guangzhou Charge 3-1. And then last but not least, we had the Toronto Defiant taking on the Hangzhou Spark, and they, they take it 3-0. Wrapping up the week with by far what I think was the best day. Day four, we had San Francisco kicking off against Paris. San Francisco wins that 3-1. Unfortunately, they drop a map in the end, which could come back to bite them. I don't think it will, but we'll talk about that later. Then in the surprise of the day and of the week, possibly of the stage, was Shanghai taking down the defending champion, London Spitfire 3-2 in what was a very exciting match. You saw a lot of the the improvement out of the Shanghai Dragons. You had some question marks happen for London. We got to see some fun compositions. That was just a really great matchup start to finish. Up next, we had Boston taking care of business against Florida 4-0. To close out, we had Vancouver taking down Chengdu 3-2 in what was what a very entertaining match. A lot of people pulling for Chengdu, I would assume, by the time they went up 2-1 but it was not to be, unfortunately. Vancouver was able to pull that one out. A lot of fun, though, like we discussed earlier. So, Brian, we're not going to do an in-depth because we're going to be taking a look at the playoffs today, but maybe give me give me kind of your, your top match and your bottom match. Give me a quick thing on... on oh, the best what match? Was, what was your highlight and what was your low light? Uh, the best match by far was London-Shanghai. There's no, no question about that one. That was an entertaining one. There was just one team outplaying the other. Like I said, yeah, obviously teams made mistakes, but those two going head to head, it was back and forth. It took, I'm fairly certain it took to the last round of map five. I'd have to look it up to be positive, but it was fun to watch. Like I said, we got to see DM play a little widow. We got to see profit play some Hanzo. We had teams trying to figure out, wait, we have to learn or unlearn everything we had been playing about three, three and try to go back to our 
our usual two, two, twos and try to make it work again. And you can tell teams are not, not quite as comfortable with those because they're not practicing, practicing them as often. Um, if you want to go for the worst match, uh, you got quite a few to choose from, honestly. But if I'm going to pick anyone, it's it's going to be that Atlanta Los Angeles Gladiators one to start the week, and that's because that's how bad Atlanta looked. I mean, yes, the Gladiators are marketably improved. Decay looks phenomenal, but Atlanta rolled over and died. <laughs> Just for that match, that's, let me be clear: they yeah, rolled over and died in that one. match, and they were like, "All right, we're done here." Yeah, absolutely. It, they definitely you could see gave up and just they were ready to get off the stage and, and go back to the dugout. They said we're on to week five. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm definitely going to back you up on the London chain. I mean, no match to date has really had me on the edge of my seat quite that much. Um, I was I was eating the Edmonds out of the box. I thought about posting that. I just wasn't sure if I was allowed to. For oh, man, you, you actually were thinking the same thing. I was uh, literally <laughs> I was cooking and eating dinner, watching it on my phone, I'm and I'm sitting here going – I am eating not Enemans, but I'm eating it out of the plate. And I'm like, <laughs> I really want to text Lemmings and say, I'm eating the Enemans out of the box right now. I'm glad we were on the same page watching yes. that matchup. Uh, I mean, it was just even in the 3-3 matches, it was fun. They were going back and forth. The points were contested. There was long overtime battles. And then we get into Ilios, and we've got McCrees. We've got Hanzos. We've got Widowmakers. And it was just, it was an absolute blast. It was a total Pure fun chaos, to and I loved it. Yeah, people were getting booped into the wells back and forth. I mean, it was nuts. It was cool. For me, maybe the low light is San Francisco don't going down New York Excelsior 4-0. And... The reason it's a low light, not that it wasn't expected that New York Excelsior would win. From my perspective, it was a low light because that score doesn't reflect, to me, how competitive that match was. Um, San Francisco Shock was actually really competitive in that matchup. And it just so happened that New York Excelsior, as they're typically able to do, turned it on at the right moments, at the exact moments that they needed to. You know, when the, when the point was at 90% and they needed to flip it, they did. And, you know, so kudos, all kudos to them for executing at the right time, you know, maybe according to their game plan, maybe not. But all of those, almost every single one of those matches went into some form of extended, triple extended overtimes. It was a 5-6 on the payload, which is what, double overtime? Um, so it's just, it, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for them in a way. I, I don't think it's going to end up, I mean, it'll, it'll affect their seeding a little bit in the playoffs, but I'm pretty, they're in. Um, there, it would take a lot, I think, for them to be out at this point. But yeah, we're gonna go into that later. Yeah, but um, anyways, just I thought they were way more competitive. I don't think that scoreline actually reflects that game very well. No, it doesn't. It's just proof that New York is a, a tier above everybody else right now, and that's not a shot at San Francisco. I, I like to think of New York as like a, a really good boxer, and they're not a front foot boxer. They're a, a counter puncher, basically. They're going to let you throw a punch and they're going to react to it and they're going to react better than anybody else does. Yeah. So, you know, you're throwing your jab, they've already ducked it and they're on to the next punch where you're vulnerable now. So they're just really good at playing defensively, taking advantage of your mistakes and just they let people make the first move nine times out of 10 unless they know they have the advantage and then they press the issue and go in for the kill. And so it is with great regret. L's, bro. And it's all Shanghai Dragons' is, is, is his fault. L's, bro. Ned Lemmings is going to take the L on this week's match picks. Brian ends up with Edison. Hey! 
That's one. In the jar, my man. Jay will ends up at ten and four. Lemmings at a at a pitiful nine and five. I'm sorry, buddy. You can't spell lemmings without an L, though. Oof, it's hurtful. <laughs> you have two L's, though. What does yeah, that say but about they're after you? the W. They're after the W, man. You don't even have a W in there. You may want to respell your your name. Lemmings. <laughs> Hashtag Wemmings. Seriously, though, we're getting pretty good on the year. We're starting to get there. Yeah, we're pretty consistent. I mean, trying to recover from my dismal start. Stupid Hangzhou. Look, if I if if I needed to get off the Hangzhou train sooner, that's my problem. The Hangzhou train sooner. I think that's where you went wrong in week one, that's wasn't true. it? That's what I meant to say. We need to get yeah. off the Hangzhou train later. I need to be on the Hangzhou train, but then I need yeah, to get off. Yeah, you needed to get on the train to start, and then you needed to abandon ship. Then I needed to get off. <laughs> we both had a rough week too. I will admit that. But week yeah. one's killing you right now. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. I'm going to need some more W's to bring that one back. That wraps up our week five recall, which means we're going to take a brief look into week five because we want to get into a, some playoff scenarios in this one. thought it'd be fun to start hitting those up a little early, but Zen's going to take a look into the iris with us at week five. Pass into the iris. Day one, which is Saturday, so FYI. These matches are going to be run on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, like two days of a watch. Yep. And we're going to be kicking off with Washington taking on the Paris Eternal. Is this the one, Jay Will? Is this, this is the, not one the one that Washington is... can finally pick off? I don't think that. Every Paris time I is watch down them, and dejected. Paris is down and they're playing poorly. But Washington's just not very good. And that's the difference here. I'm taking Paris until Washington. This is like a Shanghai situation where I'm not picking them until you win a game. Sure, sure. So, and I, I know I said this during the Washington match this past week. I literally, I literally tweeted out, "What is Washington doing?" <laughs> like it was pathetic. What even was is watching. this? Is this even I, Overwatch right now? Yeah, they looked like they were a six six man solo queue for everybody versus a six stack. Like it was six solo queues versus a six stack is what it looked like. There was no team play. There was no coordination. There was no nothing. They were getting steamrolled. Yeah. And I don't, I can't trust that. So I will at least take Paris, who at least is going to try to play together. So Paris is not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They still technically have a chance. They certainly need to 4 0 this match. They would need to 4 0 Philadelphia the next day, but we'll get into that one. But they, they still have something to play for, taking Paris. Match two of day one is going to be London taking on Seoul. And pretty much for both of these teams, this is for all the marbles. Yes, this is almost a it's almost a playing game. We're going to have to say almost a lot for some of these matchups. But one of these teams is going to finish four and three and have a much better chance to finish in the stage playoffs. The other team is automatically going to be out. So you certainly don't want to lose this matchup. But for both teams, it's almost imperative to go 3-1-4-0. Uh, also, I'm taking London. Sorry. <laughs> Man, this one this one's actually a tough one for me. Seoul has played a couple strong matches recently and London losing losing to Shanghai Dragons really throws me for a loop. I get you, and we forgot to mention this. The epic back cap by Ding, by the way, is yep. what kind of sent London spiraling down going into map five and kind of started them on the wrong road to oh, losing. That should have been my critical hit. It should have been <laughs> You missed twice, the opportunity. Not once, but twice, twice this week. While I'm watching matches, there's a legitimate, I mean, they weren't full C9s, but it was there were legitimate get to the objective. What are you doing? 
not paying attention to the cart, not paying attention to the objective. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tweeted it out again, you know, with London and Shanghai Dragons. And Made then not even 10 minutes later, I'm putting another tweet up, all caps, like, I'd like to reiterate my earlier point <laughs> about the objective. You have to remain focused. There is a primary objective that has to be your primary focus. Everything else must be secondary. They lost focus of that. Ding gets a back cap. And honestly, that's what allowed them to complete. I'm pretty sure it was map four because they were down 2-1, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. That's what allowed them to win map four and then push into map five. And London just didn't recover from that. Yes, that was the that was the 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 proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. Right, and that's the reason I'm actually taking London is because I don't think they had time to recover from that debacle there. I think they'll get get their footing again, and they're just they're a team that always seems to find themselves in the playoffs. And then once they hit the playoffs, they usually flip a switch, and it gets kind of scary. Enough about that. Let's take a look <laughs> at Boston taking on Dallas. This Are you is taking another... London? By the way, say what? Are you taking London? Oh, fair point. I am also taking London. All right, moving on. <laughs> Take two, Boston-Dallas. Who you got? Another big matchup. This is essentially a play-in as well. If Boston wins, they will jump Dallas in map differential. So Dallas has got to get a lot of help if they want to get back into the playoffs. If Dallas wins, they'll finish 5-2. and two. Boston will be out of the playoffs. Dallas will be squarely in. They're actually probably looking at closer to a top-four seed at that point. I'm taking Dallas. I am also taking Dallas. Atlanta right, taking awesome. on Chengdu. I actually wanted to pick Chengdu, to be perfectly honest. I just can't. Not with Atlanta having a lot to play for. Atlanta needs at least one of the two matchups this week. This is theoretically the easier one of the two. They have a chance to finish five and two in the stage though, right? Yeah, they're four mm -hmm. and yeah, four and three and two right now. So yeah, they have a chance to finish five and two, which again has it gives you an opportunity to potentially finish with a top uh four seed, but they have a really good map differential. I think this is the more important one. Just get this win out of the way, and they should be in the playoffs, and they not necessarily can coast against Houston, but they're not going to be sweating quite as much. I'm taking it's, Atlanta. It's which Atlanta are you going to see coming into that last week matchup? I mean, it was not even in the ballpark. No, it was not. They were not there at all. And then we just watched Chengdu take it to Vancouver. So, you know, what are we going to get out of them? But – Ultimately, I think Atlanta is more prepared and more versatile to be able to take on funky compositions coming out of Chengdu. So I'm going to be taking Atlanta, which takes us into day two. This is Sunday, kicking it off with Philadelphia versus Paris. This one is, if they win number one, this is playoff buy-in for Paris here. They'd have to 4-0 it. Yeah, Paris has got a lot of work to do. If They have to 4-0 both matchups to realistically have a chance. I'm taking Philly. I still think they're the third best team in the league. I think they can be competitive in a playoff matchup against either Vancouver or New York. Do I think they'll the win? Eh. But they do tend to give New York fits. And again, another team that if they get into the playoffs, they kind of flip a switch and they get real scary. I'm also taking Philly. And that takes us to the match. I love that, by the way. I'm also taking Philly. On to the next one. <laughs> Brian and I debated this at length during the week. It's not something me. we can get into in this podcast episode. Might have to do a whole episode on it. I think Philadelphia, briefly, the contest is, I think Philadelphia is a, a dirty, scrappy team that barely pulls off wins. Brian thinks that they're a dirty, scrappy team that, that loves to play that way and is winning that way intentionally. So <laughs> the debate goes on. It does rage on, but you use my first name again, which is why I'm upset. That's two. Number two. Or number three? No, that was that two. two or three? That's two. Okay. 
in the jar. <laughs> that does, however, take us to the bottom of the barrel, a match that I asked Jay Will if I could actually pass. I wish we could. I wish even, we could. Even picking. Uh, flip a coin. I'm taking Florida. Until Washington wins. Sorry, Florida. <laughs> yep. Okay, and this is a crucial matchup for both teams in this one, especially if Atlanta loses that first one for whatever reason. This is going to be Houston taking on Atlanta. Yes. A lot of question, question, question marks on this one. Yes, what team's going to show up? Which team is going to outperform the other? Because I'd say these teams are on par talent-wise. Which team is going to play a little better on a given day is always a question mark. I'm going to let you go first because I still haven't picked the winner of this game, honestly. I don't know. I have a heart problem versus a head problem right now. So, so that, that's that's where I am. <laughs> I picked with my heart. This is a heart and head problem for sure. I, If I took a moment to sit back and probably logically look at it and look at the stats and, and look at the play, I, I think it's Atlanta. But I genuinely want Houston to be there. And I there are times when Houston plays extremely well together and bands together and looks synergistic, can play in the 3-3, and even can play outside of the 3-3 a little bit. And so I think even if Atlanta brings something out weird, I think Houston has some flexible players that can adjust accordingly. So I, I think there's a chance, and I'm I'm taking Houston. There's definitely a chance. There's always a chance. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think this is obscenely close, and I'm, I'm taking Houston because... I want to see my boys in there. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. Like I said, I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched up. I'm going to be the homer here, and I'm going to pick Houston. Just to, just so I don't have a conflict of interest when we go to watch this game. <laughs> I want Houston to win this, and I want them to be in the stage playoffs. Now, they have to win this to have a chance at the stage playoffs. Yes. But they're also going to need some help. So this is going to be a, a high-quality matchup, especially if Atlanta happens to lose to Chengdu, because then this is, you know, winner don't get in the playoffs for both teams. But it could mean a lot to both teams still, even if Atlanta wins the first one. But I'm going to pick Houston because I think they need it more. And rounding out our fifth week of regular Overwatch, we have the Vancouver Titans taking on the Guangzhou Charge. I know I know you like the Charge uh, it's, as a team, and... I, I can't disagree that they have looked pretty good, but they've also looked pretty lackluster. They got 3-1 by the Gladiators, and that match wasn't as close as that 3-1 indicates. Um, I'm sticking with Vancouver. You got a chance for two teams to go undefeated in the stage. I'm going to take my my chances with that. So this was this may also be less of necessarily a head pick than a heart pick. or a, Yeah, more of a heart pick than a head pick. But, yeah, that's um, the way to say that. <laughs> yeah. More of a hard pick than a head pick, but here's here's my case. I'm going to state my case real quick. Go for it. Guangzhou is one diva bomb away from beating Vancouver the first time they meet. Vancouver really doesn't have a genuine reason to want to be super successful in this map. Guangzhou can play lineups that put Vancouver in an odd position, which we just saw Chengdu do, and which we just saw Chengdu force. <laughs> Let's say it that way. Yeah. Instead of doo doo, <laughs> you said doo doo. <laughs> he said, and then, well, I, I don't know. I lost my train of thought after that. But that's why I think Guangzhou has a chance to take down Vancouver. This is also basically our only. This is the other one I'm staking my claim on in the in the mixed up matches between you and I. This will be the win loss match for us. That's fair. 
That's fair. Although I'm going to win this stage. I'm just throwing that out there. That's true. Yes. <laughs> even even if I'm able to pull this off, you, you still can take the stage. Week one comes back to bite you. <laughs> it does. It does. I don't feel bad about it. but You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You picked what you felt, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Who knew? Who knew? All right. And that wraps up our week five preview, which means we need to talk about playoffs, Jay Will. Playoffs? You talking about playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs. For those of you who don't know. Just mimic that audio because I'm sure that's licensed by the NFL. I probably is, but I would love to have it. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, that's Jim Morris Sr. as a coach of the Colts way back in the day when somebody asked him a question after a game about playoffs. And he was just like, are you kidding me right now? We're going to jump that far ahead? <laughs> Let's talk about winning games. Yes. <laughs> All right. I do want to run down the current picture as we are going into these playoff weeks. So at this exact moment, which is, again, the 11th, so stage four just completed. Week four. Sorry, week four. Before anybody (laughs) freaks out. Stage four is a jump, man. (laughs) Week four just completed. We have locks for the New York Excelsior, the Vancouver Titans, and the Toronto Defiant. They're clinched. They're in. Eliminated from the playoffs completely are the Gladiators, the Spark, the Dragons, the Hunters, the Mayhem, the Justice, and the Valiant. Which leaves, what, 10 teams? In the running. And when we say in the running, it's genuine. I mean, we were trying to run through these scenarios, and it's, it, it gets really bogged down in all the map wins and losses and everything else. So Yes, it's it's very chaotic. Map differential is going to play a huge part in who does and doesn't make the playoffs. There are very few teams who control their own destiny, and those teams currently only have two losses. So those 10 teams are the Fusion, the Fuel, the Rain, the Shock, the Charge, the Uprising, the Dynasty, the Outlaws, the Spitfire, and the Eternal. By the skin of their teeth. So, first off, when you're looking at records and how to get into the playoffs, obviously your record is first. Yes. Next up is your map differential. Your which is gross how many map maps differential. you've win you've won or lost, and then there's, you know, obviously your plus minus on that. Okay, so it's your overall. Then it's your head to head. So if you've ever beaten that team that you're tied with then, you know, obviously you win that tiebreaker. The last tiebreaker, I'm sorry, excuse me, let me correct that. Your next tiebreaker is your head-to-head map record, and then your last tiebreaker is your head-to-head record. Yeah. So so, so be- it gets really bogged down in how many maps you've won, how many maps you've lost, and how many maps you've won and lost against the team that you're tied with. Right, which gets more interesting because you don't play everybody. So I'm not sure how they're going to work that out. So this is going to be a chaotic week five. There are only eight matches, but half of them, if not more, really truly matter a lot. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's like five or six of them that are going to affect who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. And teams that are in this playoff race are going to be going all out to get every map win they can possibly get. Yeah, this is where those early drops to to other teams that, you know, maybe you should have four-owed or something like that, or those throws here and there where you just come come into a 3-0 and you don't play as hard. This is where they come back to bite. I also do want to mention we learned, both of us learned a little bit. Last year, the playoffs were a, I think the early games were the best of three. Last year? Last year. I believe stage playoffs were best of three in like the semis and quarters. No, no, it was still best of four. They just didn't change it when they got into the finals. So, or excuse me, best of five. 
So it's first to three. They didn't play the fourth map, obviously, if you got to three, but it was best of five for semis, quarters, if they had any semis and finals. This year, though, it is slightly different. They're actually doing best of five for the quarterfinal. And then once you hit the semifinal and the final, it's actually going to be best of seven, which I am super excited about, even though that creates some interesting long days. As a fan, very interested in in so much more Overwatch. And also for teams that are coming back, you know, in a in a match and now they have that chance. You know, so if you win that three one map, you still have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. Yes. All right. All that being said. Let's get into this a little bit. There's some fun scenarios that we can we can walk through and play out. So London and Seoul are taking on each other on day one of week five. And as we mentioned before, this is win or get out. Yes. Um, they're both 3-3. I'll just state this blankly. Anybody that's going to end up with four losses is not going to make the playoffs. I can't find a scenario anywhere where there's going to be a bunch of teams vying for that eighth spot who are three and four. I, if I looked at it correctly, everybody who will be eight and above will be four and three or better, if I've done that math correctly, or looked at the matchups correctly, I should say. But this matchup, one team's going to end up three and four, the other's going to end up four and three. Currently, Seoul is in a much better position. They're sitting at plus two on their map differential, so they have a chance to go to plus three, plus four, or plus six, depending on how they finish. Mm-hmm. London, unfortunately, is at minus one currently, so they're looking at either zero plus one or plus three they really need to get to that plus three if they want to have a chance because i don't know that them winning even if it is 4-0 is going to be able to get them into the playoffs so it may just knock both of them out by them winning you got to win your maps (laughs) and even when you're losing you still got to win some maps yes every map does matter and that's why they play the fourth map and that's why the the broadcasters always say like these map differentials are important and you're going to see that i mean we have atlanta who is sitting at three and two who could potentially miss the playoffs with two losses. But this is why that Chengdu matchup they have is so important to them. If they win that, and especially if they can win it 3-1 or 4-0, they already have a plus five map differential. So they're staring at either plus seven or plus nine. And either one of those is phenomenal if you can 3-1 or 4-0 in that scenario, because I don't think anything worse than plus three is going to be able to get in. So even if they lost to Houston... If they go, if they went three one or four zero, they're looking at at worst plus three for their map differential, which should get them in. So that's that's why I say you know those maps early on matter, and that's why I think Atlanta's in a pretty good spot this week with the two matchups they do have. But they certainly can't go out and three two Chengdu and then try to play around with with Houston. Do I think Houston's going to four zero them? No. So you know they just they're going to be playing the map game, especially if they win their first matchup. But that's why you can't drop maps, maps early in the season. You really can't. You, you need to win, obviously, but you need if you're going to lose, the best way to lose is 3-2. And to back that up, the next match that we want to talk about has also these two these two matches probably are the most intertwined from my perspective. So this is Boston taking on Dallas. And one of the reasons I say these are the most intertwined, if Boston wins and beats Dallas and Seoul has already won and beaten London, if Boston takes a 4-0 or Boston wins 4-0 against Dallas, they're in and they beat Seoul because they actually outmap and head-to-head uh, dynasty. Yes, so they have the advantage over Seoul in map differential currently. Or excuse me, they're even, but they have the head-to-head matchup over them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to know what they need to do right before they play, according to whatever Seoul and London work out in their match. 
what what Boston's going to need in order to make the playoffs. Because if Boston beats Dallas, they're going to have a better map differential. And this is what's killing Dallas right now is those 0-4 losses that they have. Yeah, they're only plus one at four and two. You know, they've won sure, but they're only plus one. If they drop the four and three and lose, even if it's only three two, they're back to zero. I don't see anybody getting in with a zero map differential. So they they've they've got their work cut out for them. But like Dallas needs to win this, and that makes them five and two, which is easily in the playoffs. But that's that's how fine that line is for Dallas. Boston winning, if they can get a three one that gets them to plus four, they're gonna jump a couple of teams and be squarely in that playoff mix and should make the playoffs barring a really crazy finish between Seoul and then a Guangzhou charge win. Yeah, and I know you probably said it in there somewhere, but for, certainly for Dallas, this is this is win and get in. You're good yeah. to go. Yeah, as long as they get to five wins, there's nothing to worry about. But if they lo- if they lose, I don't think they're going to be able to squeak in, or I should say back their way in with their map differential because it won't be in the positives. It just, there's no physical way to get there with a plus one currently. The next match is intriguing to me for one team and kind of a wash for the other team because I really genuinely believe that Philly's going to win. Yeah. And that means that they're in if they win. But there is a world where Philadelphia loses this match and Paris, well, potentially Paris has a chance to get in, but also Philly could get bumped out. Philly could get bumped out. They absolutely could. That's why this is still important for them. Much like Dallas, they only have a plus three map differential. If they... Even if they get 3-2, that drops them to plus 2. I don't think plus 2 is enough to get in based on the matchups and who's playing who. I you, I think you need to get plus 3 or better to, to get in. So the simple solution for Philly is just simply win. Paris, on the other hand, has no option this week but to go 4-0, 4-0 just to get to plus 1. Yeah. And that is probably not going to be enough. Like we said, they're not mathematically eliminated. There is a scenario out there where they can they can get in by 4 0 both their matchups this week mm-hmm. but the moment other people losing and heavy map losses and all that kind of stuff right but the moment they lose a map they lose the ability to get to positives in map differential you might they might as well get marked as eliminated i i think that may mathematically eliminate them i haven't worked worked out the scenarios that far but plus one is going to be asking a lot to get into the playoffs even though you're not mathematically eliminated currently the next match one team needs a win and some help and the other one can pretty much strengthen their position, and if they lose, still have a chance. So we got Houston taking on Atlanta. Houston has two match, no one matches, and they need yeah, to 4-0 that match. Most likely, they need to 4-0 it. They're currently at a, at a minus one. So in order to get into the positives, they either have to go three one or four zero. Obviously, four zero gets you to plus three, and that's that's kind of like my cutoff right now. Plus three is what I think you need to get into the playoffs. This is why it's not as crucial for Atlanta to win this matchup if they beat the hunters in their first matchup on Saturday. Yeah. So there's, they, there's a chain there that they have to complete. You got to beat the Chang, Chengdu hunters first. Right. Cause if and they can 4-0 Chengdu, okay here. they're going to go plus nine at four yeah. and two. They can do no worse than plus five, which is probably better than good enough to get you in at four and three. I, I just don't see these other matchups working out to be four O's and three ones is kind of how I'm playing it. Obviously mm-hmm. it could work out the way, but that's the way it's going in my head. So plus five should be more than enough to get you in. And at the same rate, even if you beat Chengdu 4-0, get the plus nine, is if if you can just take a map off of Houston, you can make sure that you're at a plus four, or excuse me, a plus six, which is better than San Francisco. So you're definitely in at that point. So as long as you can take a map off of Houston, if you 4-0 Chengdu, then you're in. But win and you're in for them. That's the the moral of the story. They're in the driver's seat. Like I said, anybody with two losses currently is in the driver's seat. They know all they have to do is get the five wins and they're going to make the playoffs. 
Lastly, we've got the Charge taking on the Vancouver Titans. The Charge have to win, absolutely. If they're out, they if they lose, they're out. Excuse me. Which is interesting. Also, Vancouver still has a shot at the top seed. So New York is not playing a, a match this week. They are on bye. So Vancouver has a chance if they go four and zero to clear them in map differential and be an expansion team into the Overwatch League that that has the top seed going into the stage one playoffs. That's a really cool storyline. Guangzhou Charge, you got to win. Yeah, they have no no way around it. Anybody with four losses is automatically going to be out. Said it earlier, so they must win. And even still, they need to win and probably. If they at least get to the win and get the plus four, it'll probably be enough. But you're still at risk of falling should Boston end up winning. If Boston 4-0s, you're going to drop down because you didn't catch up to plus five with San Francisco or get close to plus five if the rains stay there. It, they have they have some work to do. They're going to need a little bit of help if they do win. The only thing we do know is if they lose, they're done. Of value to the Guangzhou Charge, they have a really good map differential, even if their record isn't the most amazing. So I think they're 18 and 12, which would plus 15 and 12. They're 15, 15 and 12, 12 right now. Yeah. So really good map differential for them. Yeah. Plus three is not bad. Plus three is actually a good spot going into the last week of the season. When you look at everybody else's map differential, obviously Vancouver and New York are not fair at plus 16, plus 14. But in any, there's three teams that are at plus five. One of them or two of them are stationary now, Toronto and San Francisco. Plus five should be enough for San Francisco at four and three. There is a world where they get left out. Don't get me wrong. So that's why they haven't clinched, but plus five should be enough. If Guangzhou can get to a win and get to plus four or five, I think they're in a much better position at, at that point. Um, but again, this is this is hammering home. Like you can't drop maps. You you can't drop maps that you should win. You need to win matchups that you're supposed to win. This is how crucial it is for Boston. They come out and don't have fusions for a week and lose to Shanghai. Yeah. Who knows what happens if they have fusion. If they have fusion, they may be sitting at four and two right now in the playoffs and potentially have a plus four, plus five map differential. So every every match does matter, even if you're playing an opponent that's not as uh, talented as you are, not playing as well as you are. It, that's why for Overwatch League, this stuff matters a lot when you get down to the playoff scenarios. I'm shaking my fist at the league for sure. Oh, God, if yeah, I get yeah. eliminated. You should, you should shake your fist at the coaching staff of Boston. Though. They could have fixed that that's before the too. season ever started. Interesting storyline there. If... Vancouver goes 3-1 in this matchup. There'll be a tie for the top seed. And yeah, I'm not I, sure how that gets broke. So no clue how that's <laughs> going to get broken. Um my guess, my guess is maybe they take into account that tie mark or lemmings at that point. I'll take one on that one. Um Yes. Cuz <laughs> if they go if they go 3-1, they'll have 23 map wins to six lo- to seven losses. But see, that doesn't work out either. So maybe that would maybe again that that tie still would play in I guess at that point because then New York would get in on the tie as the number one seed I don't know I, the they haven't played each other I don't know how they're gonna break into those other tiebreakers so it just doesn't make sense in my head end of the story is just win four and we won't have to worry about it <laughs> <laughs> handle your business teams and we won't have all these questions yeah exactly. Okay, so that gives we wanted to give you an early preview of based on our match picks in this coming week in sta- in week five of stage one, what we believe the playoffs will end up being, and we think, and this is not necessarily in seeded order, not at all, that they're uh, the NYXL, Vancouver Titans, Toronto Defiant, Philadelphia Fusion, 
Dallas Fuel, Atlanta Rain, San Francisco Shock. That's our first. That's our our seven that are kind of we think are we based we on think our picks are in. The last one is ba- even based on our picks. There's still some some change here, and it's it's basically comes down to the Atlanta. The, I'm sorry, the Outlaws, the Charge, and the Spitfire. So that's yep. our our eighth spot could be one of those three based yep. on our pickings. And that's all going to come down to map differential. Obviously, all three of those teams have to win. But if all three of those teams do end up winning, it comes down to how big was your win in terms of who actually makes the playoffs. I think, if I've thought about it correctly, I think the charge would be in the driver's seat because if they can, I what was it, Houston and London can only get to, yeah, Houston and London can only get the plus three. So Guangzhou's in the driver's seat. All they have to do is get the plus four with a win, and they'll be better than both of those teams in map differential. It gets gets hairier should the, the charge lose and then you're sitting there looking at london and houston going well who's got the better math differential oh wait it's all the same okay well did you guys play no you didn't play each other either so how do we break this tie too so there's so much to play out this week but i i think that's great there's only two days worth of matches eight total matches and so much still to be decided which is wonderful for the league that's what you want going into the playoffs unlike what we get in, you know so like last year what we had in baseball with the nl or the al east that race was over in june i mean <laughs> And that was it was over for both the division and the top wild card. So that's how bad like that situation can be. But yeah. this is what you want. You want ten teams vying for one, two, what is it, six spots? Even though it's probably more or less three spots that are really in, in contention. Sure, and all and almost all of those teams playing. Right. Yes, that's the other so side of it. Pretty cool too. I mean, all you gotta, of those you teams want to be watching these matches because these are playing bids for pretty much every single one of them yeah the only team not playing is san francisco so that's that's wonderful for the league they've got to love what they got out of stage one from the standings and from teams and from some teams they probably didn't expect to be in the playoff chase and that wraps up our entirely too early playoff preview (laughs) (laughs) which means that in our next weekly episode you'll get to join us for our not so early playoff preview we'll know who's in and who's out and we'll get a chance to take a look at the first matchups yeah, we're gonna make the playoff picks. I'm excited about that. Playoff picks are yes. always fun. Yeah, you're gonna make. We're gonna have to make sure we go all the way through it, though. We don't get to say, brackets. all right, in the quarterfinals, we get this, and then we get to change our mind. No, we, yeah, no. brackets. We're, Lock in the brackets. Lock it in, man. Post them up. Was it bracket of record? <laughs> also coming up shorter than the next week's episode is we're gonna be releasing our week five power ranks episode. This is a fun little half hour dive into who we think's rising and falling in the ranks overall. And you get to hear us argue over no nothing at all. Should be some more arguments this week. We see some, we have some differences I've seen. We would love to see you subscribe to the podcast. Again, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on your favorite list podcast listening application. You should definitely hit us up with a, a follow on Twitter and Instagram at BreakItDownOWL. If you have any feedback, you want us to cover any questions, or you have any behind-the-scenes questions, send us an email at breakitdownowl at gmail.com. You can always connect with Brian on his Twitter at jwill2287. Looking forward to an amazing week five. I can't wait to watch these matches. I think they're going to be intense. Hope everybody has a good time. Should be a, should be another good week. Only sad part is we have to wait till Saturday. <laughs>